Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative. Intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. Bell the body snatcher on the ones and twos. The man on the other screen there is Corey Walsh. Hi, and that's Dad Griffin. That's me. That's me. Thanks for the... Uh, the emphatic introduction, Corey. Uh, we got a, we got a fun one spry. today. A little bit of a slow news week, although we did have some breaking news today. Before we get to any of it, tell the people where they can find us, Corey. <gasps> I don't have it up, so you're going to have to stall. Stall. <laughs> stall, <laughs> damn it. Do? What do you want me to do? Show my ass? Sing a song. This isn't OnlyFans. Sing a song for me, Dan. You like the SpongeBob theme that we were singing before before the, <laughs> sh- before the show started? I'll just tell the people what we got coming up tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, censorship, the security state, uh, because what we consider a well-respected publication was essentially censored by GoFundMe, of all places. We'll tell you what that means, why that's bad, not good. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Chinese nationals, apparently infiltrating our military bases what what does that mean how political is it uh and the possibility of reclassifying cannabis sounds really good doesn't it until you realize that it's but until you that's only until you realize that it's uh, electoral politics season and it's under uh fully underway and uh just a little now it's wednesday night so just a little bit over a week away from a uaw uh strike and we're actually also tonight for the first time going to go over some listener topics. We've done that before. Well, just one, really, just one. Yeah, yeah. So if you listen to the show and you want, and like, I'm going to try to make it so we engage the audience some more, and I'll make a post every week. So make sure you follow the show. Like when we'll I give you a people. shout out. Yeah. If so we make sure to follow topic. the show on Facebook. So when I ask the question of like, hey, what topics you want to hear, you can comment on there so you can have your voice heard. And Dan, guess what? What? Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Show or Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. My 67 Corvette. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. President. We we understand. We know how you feel about your precious car. The most important thing. The most important thing. It's what makes America great. The 67 Corvette. Is, is Joe Not his. 67 oh, oh, only his 67 <laughs> Corvette is what makes America great. His is, uh, is the only one that matters. We have uh, breaking news tonight, Corey. Actually, I mean, it's really like eight hours ago or whatever that, that this first broke. But I had to bring this up because it's just perpetuating my feelings about like Donald Trump versus people who are trying to get Donald Trump and which is more annoying and which I hate more. I've referred to this as the LeBron James effect. In my younger days, I hated LeBron James. Uh, But as I've gotten older, 
I actually find LeBron James haters more annoying than LeBron James himself. And Donald Trump is swimming deeply into that territory. I just don't know who annoys me more. It's getting more and more to be that his haters are the ones that annoy me more than him himself. And I can't stand the man. So a, uh, a Washington ethics watchdog is filing suit to try to block Trump from the ballot uh, in the state of Colorado. Now, you might ask why Colorado. I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question yet. I think it was maybe just the easiest place uh, to file this lawsuit. Uh, but they're doing it under the guise of the uh, the 14th Amendment. So the lawsuit cites Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bars any person from holding federal or state office who took a, uh, quote, oath to support the Constitution of the United States and then, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. So here's why this bothers me, even as somebody who doesn't want to see Donald Trump on the ballot. Uh, I wouldn't I don't want to see Donald Trump on the ballot, but I would like to see him not on the ballot because Republican primary voters were smart enough to keep him off of the ballot. Uh, I don't think that's what we're going to see. So we have to go. Uh, we have to go another direction, apparently. Uh, but here's my problem. My strange the, legal theory. And you. Yeah, exactly. And using the for th this particular context of the 14th Amendment, I'm going to explain to you why this is a problem. Explain it to me, Dan. Specifically says engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. So this is a man that has been indicted four times for four separate things by a Department of Justice that has not included in its indictments insurrection or treason or any of these words that you will see Rob Reiner tweet on a regular basis with regards to what Donald Trump did and why he's such a bad orange man. If the Department of Justice can't convict this man of insurrection or treason, what in the hell makes this, this watchdog group think they can get Donald Trump removed from the ballot in the state of Colorado using essentially the exact same language? Yeah, like, it's, it's frustrating because, like you said about Trump, like, obviously, I don't care for the man either. Um, but what, uh, what frustrates me is the fact that we live in a country that is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And yet here we are now just claiming that he's guilty and he has to prove his innocence in court and we're putting the cart in front of the horse and just negating our democ democratic, like standards or like the protocol of how we do things. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that like, the, it seems like the very same people that want Trump indicted for an insurrection are the, are the, the very same people that talk about the issues and the unfairness of the justice system. Do you, do you see how Unfair that to them? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. When, when it comes to, you know, uh, prosecutorial uh, uh, legal theory. And when it comes to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. It doesn't matter. Um, but the, but the, the, the point is here, you have a department of justice that didn't charge him with insurrection or treason or incitement or anything like that. And the reason is 
because they know they can't get him on these charges. So they have to use weird, goofy legal theory. And for some reason, this watchdog group thinks they can file a suit in Colorado under the very same guise to get him removed from the ballot, as opposed to just letting the democratic process play out. And it's, it's so funny because these are the same people. And look, don't get me wrong. Like, Trump supporters and Republicans are just as guilty of this for different reasons. But these are this these are the very same people that want to talk about the how you know the dangers to democracy. But we're using goofy novel legal theory to keep a man off of the ballot? Yeah. That's supposed to be protecting democracy somehow? Like what what world do we live in? Right. And so I have a couple of questions here. Like, okay. Because this argument is not universally accepted and it faces at least several legal and political challenges. And so I just have four questions for you, Dan. Okay, fire away. Rapid fire. Who has the authority to determine whether someone has engaged in insurrection or rebel- rebellion? Is it the courts, Congress, state officials, or voters? This isn't like an actual like, like these are actual questions that are coming up about this. Like who decides this? Is it, I don't have an answer to it. Legally, I would say that it's it's up to the Department of Justice to prosecute, and then it's up to it's up to the courts to de- to decide upon that prosecution. But none of those have happened. No, because they realize that the, the legal theory is garbage. They can't get them on these crimes. Right. Yeah, it, it won't hold up in court, but they're going to try to circumvent it. Is what's frustrating, right? And then, what is the standard of proof and evidence required to prove that someone has engaged in insurrection or rebellion? Is it a criminal conviction, civil liability, impeachment, or something else? You're talking. You said incitement. In- How can someone challenge? Or no, what is the standard of proof and evidence required to prove that someone has engaged in insurrection or rebellion? I think it's remarkably difficult to prove. Yeah, short of someone saying like an Aaron Burr thing, like I am going to yeah, and take over Texas and get them to secede. That's no novel thing within American law. I mean, there's a lot of like weird laws that we have on the books or like things that are technically considered illegal that are v- extremely difficult to prove. Yeah, I mean, if like if Donald Trump had stood up there, uh, that last speech that he gave before everybody started going to the Capitol on January 6th and said, go storm the Capitol. I would think that that probably constitutes pretty decent proof of of something at least insurrection adjacent. Right, <laughs> I would, I would but inciting believe. a riot and insurrection are two very different things. Correct. I could see there being some sort of way to saying that he incited a riot. But he's not which even is, being I charged with just, that. Which I think is just a misdemeanor. But no, that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. But like, you figure all these people, they're standing there in the cold, surrounded by a million other people that are like-minded like them. And he goes, we're going to fight like hell. We're going to go down to the Capitol and we're going to go with you. And I'll be with you. That maybe could tread the line of, like, it would be up to the courts and a jury to decide. It's not up to me to decide, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe could fall under, like, some sort of inciting a riot by the, by the for the sake well, that he said, go down there, I'll be with you. But he wasn't. I feel like he didn't throw the first brick. I feel like the First Amendment, and this is one of the things that makes the First Amendment so fantastic, is that I th- I think it's one of those things where the First Amendment makes it really, really difficult to write a law on speech. 
I mean, we have certain laws on speech, right? We have libel laws and we have slander laws, but even both of those in civil cases are really, really difficult to, to get through, you know? It, it, so <laughs> I just want the American people to decide. As much as I would hate to see four more years of Donald Trump, I want to see the American people decide because it's if I've said it once, I'll say it a million times until this is all over. As much as I can't stand Donald Trump, if they can do this to him, they can do it to your guy. They can do it to your yeah. girl. They can do it to anybody they want. They, and, and as Jimmy Dore likes to say all the time, they would have done this to Bernie Sanders had he not decided in the end to be a good little boy and run with 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 what the establishment Democrats went with. Yeah, absolutely. My next question is, how can someone challenge or appeal a decision that disqualifies them from holding public office? Like, if he's disqualified, right, let's say in Colorado, what's the legal standards of getting reinstated for that? Like, does he have to get pardoned? Does he have to prove his innocence in court against, like, what does he have to do? Does he file a suit that he's being treated unfairly or something? Well, it, I think it would be setting a precedent, would it not? Has anybody ever been been removed from eligibility to be on a ballot using the 14th Amendment before in U.S. history? I don't think so. Um, well, so maybe in the 1860s, because it would like that, because like that's the thing too is like this was put into the 14th Amendment. And the 14th Amendment was created after. The maybe Civil Bell can War. find that. Bell, has that ever been done before? Has anybody ever been kept it's, off of a ballot? Using under the guise of the Fourteenth Amendment, if it Maybe did happen, it would probably be like in the eighteen sixties, eighteen seventies, because it would have to be someone like a uh, a governor or a general or something from the the uh, from the Confederacy. Yeah, from the Confederacy. Those losers. And then, how would such a decision affect the rights and preferences of voters who support the disqualified candidate? Hold on, doing, say that again. How would such a decision affect the rights and preferences of voters who support the disqualified candidate? Well, I don't think it would, because I think it, all they're doing is keeping him off the ballot. I don't think that prevents anybody from voting for him. That's why we have write-ins. That's true. That's, Which, that's the other weird thing about this. It's what, just his name? They just don't want to see his name on the on the ballot? Well, that's just it. Like, you don't think his sycophants are gonna, like, aren't going to, like, go to the ballot box and just write his name in anyway? Which is interesting, because, yeah. like, I... I I've always wondered like how those votes are counted because you put it in the machine and you got the bubble that you filled out, right? Like, doesn't it just read from what it, wherever that bubble is? Like if everybody's got a different write in candidate, how do they, how do they even decide those votes or do they have to go back and figure out? I don't know. I don't have no idea how that would work. I don't either. Um, it has never been used on a president. Not at a president, but probably like yeah, it's been used. Rep okay. Representatives yeah. and a couple of reps. Is it all in the eighteen hundreds? Eighteen sixty-eight county commissioners, twenty twenty-two. Uh, U.S. Rep, nineteen nineteen. Okay, so that's interesting. So the twenty twenty-two case probably has uh, to do with January sixth. I would. Does imagine. that have to do with January sixth? Mobilizing the mob before January sixth, capital yeah. insurrection, and then joining the inside and the mob. Yeah. He was at the Capitol. But he was not accused of personally... What's that say? Not accused of personally being violent or entering the Capitol. So the guy wasn't charged with being violent or entering the Capitol. 
but they said he was an insurrectionist. Well, and we had never and we had never heard of it before. We had never we'd never heard of this person before. How many people have heard of this actually taking place? No one, I don't think. That and I don't think. Is, I don't think this gentleman, or or it could be a woman, I guess, um, was con- considering running for president. So, like, nobody cares, I guess. Oh fuck! I keep. In other words, it kind of seems like it's never been used on somebody who actually has a chance to win the presidency, or actually even has an outside chance to win the presidency. Yeah, it's just it's uh, it's just it's scary. It's uh. Yeah, it's dicey territory. What well, does it be matter. going we're, down this road? We're Trump apologists, so apparently, <laughs> I could tell everyone, Tom Blue, in the face that I hate the guy. But I just, yeah, I don't you, think that we should turn our constitution on its head and our legal system contort, contort our legal system just to keep him off the ballot. And well, and, and the other thing is, like, even if you're somebody who who really hates Donald Trump like how how why is it so hard to see that ever all after all four indictments his popularity has gone up like every time you try and take this guy down it first of all hardens his base even further and second of all the polling numbers will show this it actually makes him more popular <laughs> yeah so because here we are as people who don't like Trump and we kind of see this as like some weird legal theory chicanery. So like if you actually are like on your knees with your mouth open for Trump, then what are you going to do? You're going to, I'm going to vote even harder. <laughs> I'm going to vote harder somehow. I'm going to vote twice. <laughs> you could just, just see like the bubble mark for Trump. Like every time it just gets darker, darker, darker because they're just scrubbing and people are starting to put holes through the fucking ballot. Yeah, you're voting for just holes in the ballots. And then, <laughs> oh, voter fraud. I know we all voted for him. <laughs> That's it. That answers, that answers the conspiracy. People just voted too hard. They actually scrubbed through the ballot. <laughs> the, the votes didn't get red. That's the chicanery. It was. They were using Sharpie. They were like, Donald Trump uses one. <laughs> this is the only way to vote for Trump. <laughs> Sharpie. He's sponsored. Oh, my God. But yeah, and, it's... Hold on. Just out of curiosity, this is a little bit of a tangent. Um, what do you think about Tucker Carlson's comments? I didn't even see him. Um, he's sort of suggesting that there may be an assassination attempt on Donald Trump. Oh, oh, okay, here's, yeah. So here's here's his theory, and actually, like, if you think about it, it makes a little bit of sense. I still think it's a little bit out there, but it makes a little bit of sense. I've seen it. They've tried to use the legal system against him. Like, they've tried everything they can do to go against this guy who is clearly outside of the establishment. And in U.S. history, every time we've had that, somehow that person ended up dead. Like, that's kind of his. That's that's me just sloppily summing up. Uh, Tucker Carlson's theory on Trump maybe needing to be worried about an assassination attempt. Hmm. But here's the thing. Here's 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 where I'll I'll push back on Tucker there. Like, if that happens, which I'm not rooting for, okay. I don't want to see anybody assassinated, including people I hate. Uh if that happens, there is no way that that's not looked at as really, really suspicious by a 
huge number of Americans. Even I, as somebody who doesn't like Donald Trump, would find that remarkably suspicious. Oh, if, if it was an assassination, assassination attempt? Or an, a successful one. Yeah. They tried to take out Reagan. They? Who's they? We never know who they are. That's the, <laughs> that's the Tucker Carlson thing. Oh yeah, well, he always says they? they. No one really he knows. Says they. <laughs> yeah. They don't want you to hear this, and it's like, well, wait, wait, Tucker, who? Well, I can't <laughs> tell they? you who because no Should one. Should I be really worried? Knows. Are they? Are they also coming for me? Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's my issue with Tucker. It's a, he, he theifies everything. Everything's a now. They. they don't want me to say this, or like, yeah, they don't want you to know. But you're saying something that I've probably read in memes a hundred times, <laughs> Tucker Carlson. <laughs> Uh, or I mean, hold on, hold on. Tinfoil hat is Tucker working for the deep state? Is he preparing us for a Trump assassination? Probably false flag. <laughs> false flag. But no, yeah. here's here's what pisses me off when you're talking about like finding Trump haters more annoying than like Trump himself. Yeah, is we have people in our country right now who just let themselves become emotionally driven, and they let their hatred for Trump supersede their love for the Constitution. And you have so many fucking people that are ready to just rip the Constitution up just to get Trump out. And it's absolutely insane to me. Like, why can't we all be more like Pence? He loved the he loved Trump, but he loved the Constitution more. Don't put Trump in your short-sighted hatred for this guy who's a pain in the ass, bar none. We all are in agreement on that. But don't put your hatred for him over your love for the constitution well that's just it right because once you circumvent unless you don't love the constitution once you, you circum know. and a lot of people don't um but once you circumvent the constitution once now you've set a precedent for doing mm -hmm. it again and again and again and guess what the next time it happens you might be your guy your guy might be the dissident your guy might be yeah. the anti-establishment person it might be a cornell west right it might be uh, you know, a, a Bernie Sanders type, somebody that you might vote for, somebody that you might want in power. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause any law and precedent you set in place to get, take down the other person's guy, they're eventually going to be in power again. And guess what? You set the precedence that they can turn around and do it to you. Well, we're already seeing like a, a watered down version of that. Right. So the Democrats spent all of this time. Well, no, okay. Well, real quick, you want the perfect example? Yeah, Who's ahead. bitching about the filibuster right now? The most. Democrats. Who created the filibuster? Democrats. Exactly. <laughs> like, like it's just it's just insane. Who invented the gag rule? I don't I actually don't know that one. The Democrats. Yeah. Who is getting the gag rule used against them in the I'm most gonna, recent I'm case? I'm just gonna take a wild Elizabeth shot Warren. in the dark here and say it's probably the Democrats. Yeah. Stop just making shit up to fit your to suit your fancy in the near term, and no one has any type of foresight to think about the longevity of our country. Mm -hmm. And they're just pissing all over the Constitution to take down Trump because Orange Man bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do it the right way. Have a better fucking candidate. How about that? Quit being fucking lazy and just sharpieing all over the Constitution, and just have a decent candidate that's. Even like populist or not, like I'm not necessarily a huge fan of someone who's just a populist because they just their their principles and policies go with the sway of the wind. <clears throat> Biden. <laughs> but like for fuck's sake, 
like they're they they got all these geriatric old men. My sixty-seven Corvette <laughs> that are older than a sixty-seven Corvette by like a decades, and then. But like you have McConnell freezing because he can't answer a fucking question whether or not he's going to run in two years, if he's even going to be alive in two years. Feinstein needs to be pushed around and catered to like she's in a nursing home. Yeah, I just Joe Biden has a stutter that came out of nowhere when you listen to his speeches from even when Obama was president. That stutter wasn't nearly that bad. No, no, he was still lucid. Fetterman was vice president. He was still lucid. He's always said you, really dumb things. Like he's right, always but he was, said really yeah, but he was things. there. Yeah, yeah. He was lucid at least. Yeah, Fetterman. You get like Pelosi, <laughs> Chuck Grassley. You have at all least, these. And I haven't made this joke in a while, but at least at least Nancy Pelosi's got some great tits for her age. Under four layers of clothing. <laughs> sure. Every time you bring that up, I have to. <laughs> oh, sure. She's got all sorts of bungee cords and things holding those things in place. Just rubber bands. And- <laughs> Don't ruin, don't ruin my fantasy. Rubber bands <laughs> and paper clips. Probably perfect. <laughs> Could you hear the sarcasm in Bell's voice? <laughs> he's, just, he's just trying to advocate for your fantasy. From a, no, from yeah, a, dad, they're great. Perfect. From a, from a man who's seen a lot of old lady titties. All the body snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The 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 tit to nipple ratio is just astonishingly correct. Yeah. There's no way her to like. They're not real. I'm hoping they're not real. Then they're perfect. <laughs> there you go, Dan. You heard it from Belle. <laughs> she probably she probably got them redone over COVID right after she went to the nail salon. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect time to do that. Anyway, we spent too much time on this. On what? Nancy Pelosi's tits? No. Well, yeah, but always, always that. But the... Uh, uh, not for you. You can never have enough time spent on them. Yeah, that's true. Just curl uh, up like a little buzzum. Just... <laughs> Uh, the, no, the people holding tr- tr- the watchdog group trying to hold Trump off the ballot. It's, it's it's idiocy. It's ridiculous. Knock it off. It's stupid, is what it is. But it does it, it is a great segue into the uh, the next topic: censorship, the security state, and your money. I am going to guess that. Well, you know what? Our audience is a little more in the know on this stuff than most, but many don't un- don't realize what happened with the gray zone and GoFundMe uh over the weekend or late last week so another perfect example of precedence being set actually i'll let you set it up and then i'll i'll elaborate on what i mean so the gray zone who is uh, you you may be familiar with their two top dogs uh max blumenthal and aaron mate um you know, all over the place, dissident reporters, the kind of people that we're supposed to like, the kind of people that don't just go with the flow when it comes to being an actual fucking journalist. The Gray Zone publication that I enjoy uh, quite a lot. So the online crowdfunding site GoFundMe just shut down a fundraising initiative for the Gray Zone, a left leaning. Yes, it is left leaning. Don't let anybody fool you. It's it's actually not just leaning. It's very left. Uh, <laughs> anti-war site led by Max Blumenthal and Aaron Monte, citing what they euphemistically termed external concerns. The site froze ninety thousand dollars. The gray zone raised from uh, eleven hundred contributors to pay for the reporting of Kit Clarenberg, um, 
Wyatt Reed and Alex Rubenstein. Clint, 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 uh, Clint. Uh, I keep saying, I've done that a million times. I keep calling this person Clit Karenberg. So I, I go, is it clip? It's clip, right? <laughs> no, it's Kit Karenberg. Oh, and I keep saying Clit Karenberg. I do apologize. I do apologize, Kit. We apologize, it's Clit. I'm sure he's got a sense of humor. He has to. He's been held in detention at, at Heathrow uh, for uh, to, to be asked about his views about the war on Ukraine. Uh, I mean, uh, Kit Clarenberg is a uh, somebody that I really respect. I mean, Julian Assange type of of journalist. I mean, that's that's um, I'm sure that uh uh, Kit would take that as a as a massive compliment, but I I do put I do put him in that in that sort of realm. Um, so they're, they're trying to raise <clears throat> the Great Zone is trying to raise I think it was one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars to get these three journalists' careers off the ground or, or like really be able to pay them a decent wage, right? So they could do it full time, yeah, yeah. And the Gray Zone is a publication that is. I believe it's entirely nonprofit. They don't charge for their publication. And I don't believe they have a whole lot of advertising if they have any at all. Um, because they're in it for, th that's how you can tell that a publication is in it for the right reasons. When they're doing it, all word of mouth, all grassroots. Oh, did you say nonprofit and then use the word reason? Like Reason <laughs> Magazine, who does the same thing? Something like that. They're just libertarians. Uh, so the fundraiser has since moved to a new destination, and I actually have that destination uh, in the show notes. You can follow that link if you want to donate to to help get these three writers paid for the hard work that they do and the and the dangerous work, quite frankly, uh, that they do. Um, it's through uh, what's the new what's the new place? I got it's it. Like Sprout or something like that. No, it's uh, hold on. I got it. I got it here. It's. Uh, Spot fund, spot fund. It's spot uh, fund. I knew it the, was link, an S. the link is in the show notes. Um, here it is. Yeah. New destination spot fund. And uh, they've already surpassed the amount frozen by GoFundMe. And this was as of yesterday. So uh, the damage, however, has been done. GoFundMe is now officially the poster child for politicization, politicization of economic services. And so under the spot fund. Uh, now, just now they are. Yeah. Under the spot fund campaign. Uh, I believe Max Blumenthal wrote this. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm think I th I'm pretty sure it was Max. So if you go to the spot fund to actually contribute, uh, yep, it was Max because he says I founded the Gray Zone because there was simply nowhere else for me and many other independent journalists to go. By the time we launched a, as a fully successful independent outlet in 2018, mainstream press was largely sold out. Was a largely sold out propaganda factory. And even the supposedly alternative outlets that once provided us with a sanctuary from the corporate media has succumbed to imperialist narratives. Uh, since then, the gray zone has gathered an international audience of critical thinkers and truth seekers like yourself. Thank you. Uh, and we've uh, made headlines around the world with our investigative reporting. Most importantly, our work has distributed has, I'm sorry, has disrupted the violent regime change operations and information warfare campaigns waged against, uh, waged by an unaccountable imperial elite in Washington and in Western Europe. This is precisely why GoFundMe has refused to transfer the funds we raised from the grassroots supporters like you. All they have, all they have told us is that the donations are being withheld due to some external concerns. 
Nobody knows what the hell that means. Uh, but we know, but we know who's behind the campaign of financial sabotage. Uh, it's, it's the same entities that have targeted our personnel for years for disrupting the official narrative spun out by the national security state. British counterterror police recently detained and interrogated one of our most valued contributors, Kit Clarenberg, uh, grilling him about the blockbuster journalism he's produced for us about the UK's covert operations. Unlike Julian Assange, Kit was able to make it out of his home country without being arrested. Uh, but he remains under official investigation. That's right. Kit's entire factual reporting is being treated as a potential act of terrorism by the British state. Yeah. And so I got two things to say. First off, I do have like, they're very, very trivial, but I do have a couple of qualms with gray zone and I'll go into that after. Of course. Yeah. But, uh, first thing I was going to say is, do you remember the uh, the Freedom Convoy in Canada a few yes. years back when all when, when truckers, whether they were uh, chic, black, white, all race, all creed, all religion, all domestic sexist. terrorists, domestic terrorists, Corey. And they were all labeled as domestic terrorists because they were just parking their trucks on the street. And they were that and they were labeled as far right. Right. Remember, they were far right. And. When they were doing that and people were raising money on GoFundMe to give to them, GoFundMe stopped the, the money, remember? And, and they, tracked they, them. They Yeah, they stopped them. They tracked, tracked everyone who the donated them. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Ilhan, Ilhan Omar actually spoke out against it. And then liberals were freaking out against her for speaking out against uh, unconstitutional surveillance. And... Even though because it was a different country, but still. Was, yeah, but people from Same America, point. people yeah. from America were donating, we're donating. I got you, to I got an you. American-based company called GoFundMe. They're not a Canadian-based country or company. They're American-based. And an American-based company decided to stop sending money to people in another country. And everyone's like, well, they're a private business. They could do what they want, right? And it's just, it's, as soon as you label someone far left or far right, you're allowed to just, they're not, they don't, they don't deserve the rights that you and I are deserved under the constitution. And what's interesting about that before you continue, Corey, is when you label somebody far left or far right, it's almost like they're entertain they're interchangeable. Like you just mm -hmm. use whichever one you want based on which audience you're trying to get to hate that, that group. Yeah. Yeah. And so GoFundMe did that. And here we are a short three years later, and now they're doing it to a far left news organization. Like and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the precedence with Trump. You go and start doing you 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 take the genie out of the bottle to start doing this shit in one way. The pendulum's gonna swing back the other way, and it's just insane to me that if it's the far left or the far right, and everyone who's just like either like you know your limousine liberal or your traditional conservative, they're not in that fringe, so they don't feel affected, so they don't really speak out against it. But that far left label and that far right label is slowly encroaching more and more towards the middle and more and more people are getting put into that net. And the snake eventually eats its own tail. If GoFundMe has the ability to, to take down million dollar donations and donations for an established news organization, then there's nothing stopping them from doing it to just your average Joe Smo. 
Well, yeah, right. and that's it's the, a private that, company, and there are alternatives, and we just have to encourage people to use the different alternatives because of this fact. And hopefully, this bad business model does start to affect their pocketbook. And that's but, the scary uh, part. What you just said, what you just said is is the scary thing. Like in certain factions, like this might be labeled as like conspiracy theory stuff, but it's like this idea of the World Economic Forum trying to get rid of cash. Well, that's well, yeah, that too. As as a means but, of control, right? Because so now politically, you can control me because you know who I support. You can freeze my funds. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I can't support. A, I don't think we're there yet, and I think there are money. Yeah, I don't think we're there yet, and I think there are ways to fight Private against it. They don't need the government to do it. Private institutions are doing it. This has happened twice now. Yeah. And as for my qualms with the gray zone, the only thing I don't. Like sometimes when I hear them like talk and stuff like that, uh, when they dog shit on America justifiably, mm-hmm. like you know justly, and uh, when they talk about our uh, America's foreign policy shortcomings with it, whether it's uh, coup attempts, you know, meddling in elections, foreign elections, l- foreign elections, doing things like that, um, they they treat America as the exceptional shitty player in all of it. Mm -hmm. And the way they explain away like China and Russia as like the underdog kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Like they're just as bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we're better, but they're just as bad. But it seems like sometimes when they do like their, their pieces on Jimmy Dore and Jimmy Dore kind of does the same thing. Like when they, when they're like, China isn't an empire. America is because we have a thousand bases everywhere. And it's like, well, that's true that we do, but don't discount China because they're literally trying to do the exact same thing. Yeah. The whole don't build, don't build your country so close to our military bases thing. Right. And yeah. And you know, like when it comes to the Ukraine, Russia thing, I think we, I still think I got it pretty spot on where it's it's essentially like a school shooter who's been poked and prod for four years and he finally snapped. Mm -hmm. That doesn't give them a pass. Russia still is invading a sovereign country that is free, essentially, like they were until this happened. Now they've gone total, like, making other political parties illegal. They're not going to hold elections unless we fund them as the U.S. And we also help them institute the government that they have now through a coup or a revolution, depending on how you want to word it both words are kind of the same depending on which side you're on it's interesting um, though because i think i think if you i i, I see your point but I but think, like they're not what, like they're not factually wrong but they yeah, what drive, the gray they, zone, but they do drive a narrative yeah what the gray zone has done is they found they found a niche you know but i think i think if you talk to max or you talk to aaron mate i, I don't in fact i'm pretty sure i've heard them say this on various podcasts like they're not they're not like supporting putin attacking ukraine that's just right. not the stories that they tell. Right. The stories that they tell are what what is American imperialism's part in right. causing these things to happen. Yeah, and they're not factually inaccurate on things. I just think they drive a certain narrative that sometimes it's like, ah, come on, guys. Yeah. That's my only qualm with them. Well, but I like, think it's so when, funny I think because when, like when it comes are, to this, they are they are in, in in a strange way they are they are activist journalists. But they're not they're not activists. They're activist journalists in a way that 
and it, like it's the type of activism that actually well, their matters. niche is exposing is is their niche is exposing American corruption. Yeah, it's not, and it's so not that's act, their narrative. It's, it's not activist journalism in like the way that like the Washington Post are activist journalists they're, they're, where they're like fake activism. They're like support LGBTQ, uh, but don't worry about the Nazis that have been bombing the Donbass and Ukraine. Yeah, for we'll, 10 years. we'll change our yeah. icon. On America on the Washington Post American Twitter, but not the Saudi Arabian one. Right, hundred percent. You know where the gray zone would do it, regardless of where they are at, kind of thing. There's and an like, honesty to the gray zone's activist journalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have, I agree with that. It's just they they drive a narrative as well. Yeah, I think you we're, know, I think we're um, at a point where you kind of have to. We, people will probably uh, accuse us of driving a narrative. But what kills me is like well, some of like that external decisions and stuff like. Adfonts has uh, the gray zone as un- as uncredible, you know, like they're not they have credibility issues, right? But when you look up the things that they say they have credibility issues on, it's things that are like inconclusive. They just have the different narrative, like the Syria, like Assad, like America's narrative was Assad poisoned his people. Mm-hmm. To this day, when you look it up, it is still. Like, unknown. well, it's inconclusive, unknown, but there were some phone calls, so we think it was Assad. Mm-hmm. And the gray zone is just saying it's not, and America is saying it is. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we were talking to people from Syria? Do you remember what you had some app on your phone? And Periscope, yes, yes, yes. Like, so like we were- six years ago, I was on Periscope, yes, and someone in Syria was on there. Uh, they were just, um, he was from Syria. He was an, he was a Syrian and he was on the Periscope app. It was a streaming app. And he was on there just talking about Syria and stuff like that. And I just straight up asked him, I was like, did Assad poison your people? And he said, Assad is a shitty leader, but none of us here believe that he poisoned us. Yeah. That's an, it's obviously, but that's, that's anecdotal, anecdotal, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But it's still, it's like well, just, I'm so sick and tired of everyone taking the American narrative as fact and completely disregarding any other narrative that doesn't fit the cookie cutter binary message that we have here in America. Well, and, and the gray zone challenges that. And so the mainstream media and the powers that be do not fucking like that. And you know why? Because they're popular. Mm-hmm. And they're I don't care. You can vehemently disagree with them. You can call them a bunch of conspiracy crack not, crackpots. You could say that they're wrong in every way you can, but you know what? Voice your opinion that they're wrong. You don't fucking silence people and you don't take the food out of their mouths because you disagree with their opinion. And how quick you are to dismiss journalists like Max Blumenthal, like Aaron Maté, like Matt Taibbi. Matt fucking Taibbi. Really? Like this this guy is this guy is is is, is bad news? Yeah, Russell Brand, Matt Taibbi, fucking Jimmy Dore. Yeah, Bill Maher now. Bill Maher now is getting a bad shake because he doesn't fit the the cookie cutter narrative. Well, he's he's he kind of he's kind of back and forth. Bill Maher can't make up his mind where the hell he wants to go. <laughs> Neither can we. So, it, well, yeah, I don't know. The, the scary part about this is the fact that it can't be proven, and it probably never will be. But the fact that GoFundMe is going along with state narratives with narratives coming from the state with demands coming from the state about shutting these people down like is it coincidental how could it be they can't even give an explanation for why they would 
they would freeze $90,000 in donations to a publication that we all know the establishment hates. Like, yeah. What else could possibly be going on here? Like, this isn't conspiracy theory nonsense. Just connect. Like, like, the dots are really connectable. There's point A and there's point B and there's a line that goes in between point A and point B. There, there, is, there, there is nothing outside of that. That's the scary part. That they're able to fuck these people over financially because they don't like what they're saying. And when you have... Uh, I think GoFundMe is technically a nonprofit, but like either way, when you have uh, nonprofits or private corporations doing the bidding of the state, I mean, how many times do we have to see this? We've seen the Twitter files. We've seen that. We've yeah. seen uh, uh, Robbie Suave. I believe it was Robbie Suave at Reason doing the Facebook files. That was that didn't quite get as much uh, notoriety as the Twitter files did. But we're seeing private corporations and uh nonprofits now it looks like doing the bidding of the state is go that is 1984 shit dude that is orwellian shit i don't think gofundme is nonprofit though maybe it's not i could be wrong i could be wrong well they could get a cut but that doesn't make them a for-profit company i don't know bell look it up is gofundme for for profit or nonprofit? it doesn't matter either way i just don't want to get it wrong uh, I just don't want to get it wrong, but oh, yeah, it's doing the bidding of the state. This like, that's, I'm sorry. I don't care if you're, if you're a Trump supporting Republican or the staunchest Biden Democrat, it is nope. not I good. Defend, I will defend your right to free speech because I'm hoping that you'll do the same for me. And I don't want a precedent set. Like it's, I hate what you're saying, but I want to give you the right to say it. So I have the right to say that I hate what you're saying. <laughs> Shall we remind everyone that every that lots of other people have reminded people of multiple times uh, back when the ACLU defended Nazis for their right to advocate their free speech? And then I can stand across the street from them and say, tell them they're a bunch of bigot fucking idiots. Well, and doesn't it make it easier to fight when 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 fo folks even like Nazis have the fundamental First Amendment right to say what they want to say? Without the state stepping in and having people go, wait a minute, now we have to worry about what the state's doing. Doesn't it make it a lot easier for us to see that speech as deplorable and actually fight up fight about the speech itself? I'll read it out. So go find me. There's no fee to start or manage your fundraiser, however, to help us operate safely and securely. One small transaction fee, which is 2.9% plus 30% or 30 cents, which includes debit and credit charges per donation is deducted. So that, I mean, that could easily be a nonprofit. I don't know. Oh, no. Uh, so GoFundMe is a 501c3. Nonprofit? Yep, they are nonprofit. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Mm. Um, and then what was the question you asked right before that? I'm sorry. Doesn't it make it easier... If we don't have the state intervening and, and causing people to argue about First Amendment issues. When we could just be arguing about the topic at hand. When we could just be arguing about the deplorable speech of Nazis. Like, yeah. the, like public opinion will win that argument every fucking time. Nazis suck. We don't like Nazis. Nazis are bad. Like, we don't need the government to go. Unless they're Nazis, in the Azov Battalion. Nazis, you can't say that. Well, that's true. Unless they're in the Azov Battalion. Uh, 
Nazis, you can't say that. We don't need the government to do that. We can make that decision on our own. But it's dangerous if certain people hear it, Corey. If certain ears hear it, they might just become Nazis tomorrow. Then build a better fucking argument. <laughs> yeah, like if my son comes home and goes, yeah, I don't know, Dad. This guy was talking about how back how in Jews the are bad. the country was better when everything was segregated. And then I'll just be like, okay, well, your friend is an idiot because those people that were segregated had half of the rights that you have. Do you enjoy your freedoms? Would you like to live in a country to where there's the ability for your freedoms to be taken away based on the colors of your skin? No. Oh, okay. Then it sounds like your buddy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, thanks, Dad. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You're right. I can't wait to tell that Nazi that. <laughs> then, the more, then the more you know, Rainbow just comes in. Front of <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, the more you know, Rainbow just comes all over his face. Uh, that was that was weird. I shouldn't have said that. Did you just say? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Move along. Move, move along. <laughs> what are you, Joe Biden now, Dan? Now I'm talking. Now I'm speaking to myself in the third person. My '67 Corvette. <laughs> Shh, Mr. President, take a nap. Go back to sleep, Uh, buddy. Anyway, censorship, bad. All the way around, no matter what it is. Uh, You can censor things out of your personal life. Right now, our Constitution guarantees that you can censor whatever you want on your own life, whether it's parental controls, blocks on your feed, on your Facebook. You can block people. You can do all that stuff for yourself. You don't need someone else to decide whether or not you're smart enough to see it, to make that decision. Do you want to talk about the Chinese? We're running a little bit out of time. Do you want to talk about the Chinese nationals? You want to talk about reclassifying cannabis or you want to talk about UAW? Uh, so the Chinese nationals one is pretty interesting, I think, actually. Oh, why did that pop up? I don't know. What'd you click? I didn't click anything. Because the live viewer comments show up on the on StreamYard. This is an example. <laughs> Why the fuck real did that show up? Click on a real comment to show it on the screen. We don't have those today. <laughs> well, that's fucking stupid. Uh, there we go. I got it. I, I took care of it for you, Corey. Hell I took yeah. care of it for you. Where the fuck even cut? It's not even a banner. No, it's uh, it's it's what happens when look. I'm in comments. Blank, blank. Uh, we're just doing a show meeting live on the air, folks. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just show me for the listeners on the only. A stupid banner popped up that shouldn't have there are and less there are less than one persons that care about that Corey. Streamyard, one star too confusing oh <laughs> would not recommend good day to you fellow intellectual idiots if you're this far into the show we're guessing that you probably like it so we'd just like to ask you to hit pause and on whatever platform you're listening just leave us a quick review it really does help us grow and gives us an opportunity to bring you even more great content in the future. And we'd also like to ask you to just press that share button and just send this episode to one friend that you think might be interested in our line of conversation. The best way for podcasts to grow in the sea of millions of podcasts really is through word of mouth. So every little bit helps and we appreciate you all. So let's get back to the show. Uh, Chinese nationals allegedly posing as tourists to infiltrate military bases. You want to go there? Let's just go there. Let's just do that. Yeah, let's just fucking do it. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) We do not talk about fun things on uh, this show. 
Uh, so the federal government is investigating over 100 incidents in recent years in which... Why do I have this fucking ad in front of my article? I don't know. So according to several news reports, there have been over 100 incidents of Chinese nationals posing as tourists to breach the U.S. military sites and other sensitive locations in the past few years. Some of these incidents include incidents are suspected to be forms of espionage as the Chinese government may be compelling some of its citizens to test and report on the security practices at the installations. The FBI and the Department of Defense have been tracking and investigating these cases and have held a review last year to try to curb the frequency of these breaches. Hey, Bell, real quick, will you look up like the law for China that their nationals have to have like unwavering support for the CCP? Pull that shit up, Jamie. Yeah, pull that shit up, Bell. <laughs> but yeah dude chinese nationals were found scuba diving near the kennedy space center rocket launch state in florida what a weird thing to be spying on the chinese nationals were caught no. caught swimming and taking photos near an intelligence center in key west florida three of them were arrested and sentenced to prison in 2020 a group of chinese nationals tried to push past guards at fort wainwright alaska claiming they had reservations at a hotel on the base and the base is home to an army division focused on Arctic warfare. And some Chinese nationals claim to be following Google Maps directions to the nearest fast food restaurant, which happened to be near military bases. So these incidents have raised concerns over the potential threat posed by China to the U.S. national security and defense information. The FBI stated that it will not tolerate the Chinese government's campaign of theft and malign influence and that it has committed to protecting the U.S. democracy and those who defend it. So on a scale of one to a finger in your ass, how much do you trust what the FBI is saying here? A finger in my... No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so... Like one knuckle? Like trust him a little bit, but just one knuckle in your ass? <sighs> <laughs> All right. So the whole space station thing... It brings me back to the whole SpaceX thing and the Department of Justice suing Elon for not hiring uh, migrants and people seeking asylum. It's a real thing. Getting to the moon, getting into space, that's like hot technology. You don't see other countries doing it too much. Russia tried to do it. In India France. just landed on the moon, though. India. But they're rich. How many other countries are landing on the moon? China, China, India, Russia, America. Russia, well, they're, they're, they're rich failed. comparatively. <laughs> yeah. Three, yeah, three countries on the moon. Space technology is hot. And China wants a piece of it. No, I, that's guess, I guess but, I, understand, uh, I understand Bell's point here, but like, I just don't. I just like with everything that we've seen, I just don't trust anything the FBI says. No, that's <laughs> absolutely true. But these but these people like have been arrested. Like these these incidences are like okay. Factual. There's people in, there's like these, people that were supposedly terrorists in Guantanamo Bay too. Like, what's your point? Not only that, you throw you throw ten of these people that have to be loyal to their government to do these tasks, these menial tasks. Like they sound menial to me and you, but to them it's everything. So they send a thousand people, and if they get intel from ten people, that's a lot of intel. Like you know how easy it is to like plausible deniability of just being a dumb tourist though. Like, and our government like doesn't take it. Like, for example, here in Michigan where we live, 
the border to Canada. I can be, I can drive south. Which fun fact? Detroit is the only area you drive south to get to Canada. In the it's the only country. major city that you can do. You drive south to get to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess if you're in Alaska, you drive south, but mm-hmm. or west. But uh, anyways, I was coming back from Canada after going to Canada, and there's that sign that says "Stop here and wait for next car to pass," and it gives you a space of like 30 feet before the car in front of you. I didn't see the fucking sign. You know, it's statute limitations. It's been more than seven years. I was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled you right up not behind drink the and drive, kids. Do not do it. Because you might end up having guns pulled on you at the border coming into America from Canada. These guys came out with their guns and they were just like, what are you doing? Like, don't you read the sign? Back your car up right now. And this and that. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't see the sign. You know, and they're like, <laughs> and so I could easily see like, if I was trying to do it's some like, shit, like shit, something out of it's always sunny, just pretending <laughs> to this. Yeah. Just, oh, oops, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to scuba dive next to your super secret submarine. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the plausible deniability of being able to get away with this and just going, oh, silly me. So let me ask you guys this. Are you guys, you guys are China Hawks now? You guys are just dirty China hawks. No, but <laughs> I do believe China is doing some shady shit. Like, do you really do you really believe China's narrative about the balloon? Like, oh, whoops, <laughs> my bad. How did I knew I put that balloon somewhere? Not only that, Dan. <laughs> you know what our government does, and you don't. Yeah, you don't think our government has spies that are just bumbling idiots? Like that's like look, <laughs> this movie's based on spies like that. All well, it's well, and here's the thing, Russia but here's China. There is a difference. It's a lot harder. Like, that's kind of one of the disadvantages to being the liberal democracy that we are, is that like you have freedom of movement around our country, even as a tourist. You go to China, you can't do that shit. You can't just move wherever the hell you want without being surveilled. And you can't say whatever the hell you want without and being people surveilled. Are still getting arrested for spying. Yeah. So no, that's a good point. I will yeah, say look this, at though. look at uh look like, it happens in Russia too. Look More at uh uh, what was that Wheeler, right? Yeah, Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner. Well, well, she, she just smoked. Some she weed. she's a dirty doper. She had marijuana. Belle. Yeah, absolutely. She just she's a she's un-American. She's not an America where we're rescheduling it to make it less of a criminal offense. We'll get there. I will we say did. this though. So I I don't know what it is about like it, it, it's it's probably because the CCP runs everything in China, but like their ability to just like from a PR perspective, say the right things. Have you got, have you guys seen the, the quote from Lu, Lu Ping Yu or whatever the hell her name is? Well, that's Chinese also not spokesman? true necessarily. Well, no, but here's, here's what she said. Like, this is the right thing to say. Uh, quote, the, the relevant, uh, the, the relevant claims are purely ill-intentioned fabrications. Uh, we urge the relevant U S officials to abandon these cold war mentality, stop groundless accusations and do more things that are conducive to enhancing mutual trust between the two countries and friendship between the two peoples. That's just the right thing to say. That's dude. smooth, <laughs> but it's empty hollow words. Oh, I get it. Know? I get it. But like from a PR perspective, China nails it. They always seem to nail it. Our, uh, yeah. But like, it's like, I mean, I feel like, like, see, so that's the saying that they have, because you remember when it comes to media, even for a PR, that message written in English 
was designed for Americans to hear. But also to cause discourse right. that wasn't for the Chinese to hear. No, you're Just right. Like when we say thing. things or here's when Russia thing, says things, it works. they say it. Yeah, maybe for you, you fucking no, 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 China no, no, cuck. no, 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 no. I mean, no, I'm, it just works, <laughs> I'm just it kidding. Works, it works globally, right? So, like, think about what she just said there. Basically, like, accusing the United States of having a Cold War mentality. I'm talking about globally. Accusing the United States of having a Cold War mentality and, you know, wanting to enhance mutual trust between the two countries. When you look at the United States and you and you think about the the the, the American hegemony and the the imperialistic nature that we have, and how we have our bases all over the globe, like you don't think other countries like why do you think why do you think BRICS exists right now? Why do you think it's gaining traction? Like, is it gaining traction though? I mean, at least it is in in uh, media discourse. It is. I mean, I well, mean, in American media discourse, because our our media wants you to think. It's that a, that's a scary. threat to it's unify the people, but, but like, that's such a shaky thing. Like you, none don't, of those you, countries... don't think, you don't think that the rest of the world is sick of our bullshit or sick of our bullshit? Oh, I don't disagree with that. So that's what I mean when I say that whatever her name is, Lu Lu Pingyu, like they they say China China says the right things to slowly start putting in the head of the rest of the globe that they're the good guys. When reality, we're both the bad guys. Can we agree on that? Yeah, our foreign policy is trash. <laughs> I mean, we we set a foundation between like the 30s and 40s and 50s to make like the world freer than it's ever been. But it's like the movie The Dark Knight um, where Harvey Dent says, uh, it might have been Harvey Dent that says it or it might have been the chick at the dinner table or whatever. But they say you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself a villain. Yeah. That's us. We're teetering on that villain thing, yeah. And yeah. we really need to pull back uh, our our reins on this bullshit that we're doing because we are going to start pissing people off. And with China being an economic powerhouse that can offer that financial get, like safety net and things like that, like America has after the whole world was decimated from World War II for the last 50 years, there's another player on the block that can give them an alternative, and that is nerve-wracking. And us just trying to strong-hand it and strong-will it is going against the very grain that we use to get into that position in the first place. And China is... I'm going to give them credit for this. They're doing what we should be doing, except we should be doing it with a um, free-market capitalist venture. Oh, you mean instead of cur like curtailing countries like Haiti and instead of them bombing places, let's use economic strength around the globe. That's what China's doing. Could you imagine if we did that in the South America? There goes half the immigration crisis. Maybe if we end this bullshit war on drugs and doing coups, the toppled <laughs> leftist governments that we don't like. Yeah, to the point where. We actually have to let the leftist back out of jail because the far right person got back in office. Like, like what happened in Brazil, <laughs> right? With Bolsonaro, yeah. You know, like we 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 arranged for the 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 leftist to go to prison so that the moderate right winger could win, but the far right person won. So we had to let the leftist out. We had to convince them to let the leftist out of jail so that he could go and beat the far right candidate. <laughs> <I> just, <coughs> it's it's com it's a comedy. 
I know. It's a comedy of errors. It's hilarious. We need to fucking stop doing that shit because it's just, it's just making the like right now. We don't need the world to be unstable. We need to make it as stable as possible. Yep. Years ago, now. <laughs> um, we don't need to. Yeah, like what's worked for us for the past few years is making small countries unstable to create a vacuum for us to go in and exploit it. Yeah. We're running out of places to do that. And China's coming behind us and cleaning up the mess and offering these countries economic support. Uh oh, Bell's losing it back there. Yeah, what's so funny? Oh, what I said? No, we can't hear it. Whatever you're playing, we can't hear it. <laughs> so, so you you just sounded like a fucking demented all clown hear, laughing all in the can hear is your, your Joe Biden quotes and the. You can still hear it. Yeah, I can still hear it all. Oh, we can't hear it. That's weird. Hold on. Let's see if I can fix that. No one else can hear it. It's just oh, Bell. Then he made my '67 Corvette. <laughs> then he made a few fire. There we go. Should be gone now. It is. Yeah, that was weird. Anyway, God, we've had a lot of we've had a couple technical errors here today. Uh yeah. So just I guess Bell's head. Yeah, <laughs> it's always me. To, to close this, there's <laughs> just Benny Hill just playing in his head the whole. That's that's what's gonna happen yeah. when you and I end up in an insane asylum over talking about this shit. It's just gonna be Benny Hill on a loop. Sometimes head. at work when I see stuff going wild, I just in my head. Like when someone does something silly or anything like that, I just go. <laughs> anyway, Chinese nationals allegedly posing as it's as tourists. It's funny because like I can see a, a scenario where it uh, where it would make sense for China to do that, but I also don't trust the FBI. And so that basically speaks to how our legal institutions or our law enforcement institutions. This is why it's bad for us to lose the trust because then when something actually does happen, exactly. nobody believes it. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, that was the lesson we were trying to teach and it took us 15 fucking minutes to do it. Yeah, it looks like it. It's intellectual idiots fostering political and cultural literacy. Here we go. Uh, do we want to talk about reclassifying cannabis or do we want to save that and go to the UAW strike? Because... I don't know if we're going to get another uh, show in prior to that going in. Um, well, we also have the listener topic. We can do that, too. We got time. We're at an hour five. Let's go to UAW. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just taking over. This is a dictatorship, motherfucker. I guess uh, so. All right, so America. All I really wanted to talk about, because we had an, an Obama uh, official, and we've had other establishment Democrats who are supposed to be the pro-worker party, right? Come out and say that what the UAW workers are asking for, too much. It's beyond the pale. I don't know why yeah. that all of a sudden is a quote that everyone. So one of to. the Obama officials who called the UAW's demands beyond the pale is Steve Ratner, a former advisor to the president on the auto industry bailout in 2009. He wrote an op-ed in the New York Times on August 8th, 2023, criticizing oh the union for asking for substantial wage increases. Criticizing the union for asking for <laughs> <laughs> substantial wage increases. Marinate on that. The guy that was uh, an advisor to the president on the auto industry bailout. 
<laughs> the one who probably helped craft how remember remember when that happened when they cut everyone's pensions and cut everyone's funds yeah. and created a two-tier employment system eliminating competition uh or the union people, for asking president wage barack increases, obama eliminating compensation tiers restoring cost of living adjustments because those were taken as well cost of living adjustments providing a new pension plan and reducing work weeks to 32 hours he argued that these demands would add more than 80 billion to each of the big three automakers labor costs and make them uncompetitive with foreign rivals like tesla which excuse me i don't think tesla's a foreign rival well they're manufactured overseas but so is a lot of the big three stuff yeah. so i don't really understand yeah like that's what's funny about the big three you only need a certain percentage of stuff like assembled here Everything else is built everywhere else. It's just assembled here. Well, yeah, but, but even even in that case, I mean, my I IKEA mean, furniture, I, my IKEA furniture is made in America because I fucking assembled fucking it here, built it here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but even so, like you could look at foreign automakers. Like I, I own a, a 2012 Volkswagen that's got a million miles on it, still going. That German engineering is fantastic. I know for a fact that, that that car was assembled in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Honda is it Honda? Or Toyota. Toyota is one of the biggest American manufacturers right now. Or yeah, assemblies, assembly plants at least. I don't know if it's Honda or if it's Toyota. Somebody can look that up for us. I have no idea. He also claimed that the UAW had received had already received generous concessions from the automakers in the past, such as profit sharing bonuses, healthcare benefits, and job security guarantees. He urged the union to be more realistic and cooperative in the contract negotiations or risk losing more market share and jobs to overseas competitors. You know what? It has Since to be. When, it has to be. Toyota. Why is it when it comes to the union? Sorry, I got off track. Go ahead. Why is it when it comes to union and workers, all of a sudden overseas competitors are a big deal, but any other fucking time, NAFTA, uh, Obama's TPPS that failed all of this other shit in offshoring and globalizing the economy is good. But when workers want more wages, the globalized, the global competition is bad. That mm, makes sense. I don't know if I can put, I don't know if I can put that together right now. So, no, okay. So I get, let me try to rephrase that. Globalized, globalized economy, especially in the 90s, was pushed so goddamn hard down our throats with things like NAFTA and allowing uh, China into the world, into the uh, G7 and the World Economic Forum and all of these different things, right? Because it was a globalized economy. This is good. Mm-hmm. We want a globalized economy because it's good for the people at the top. But when the union workers want just living wages... The uh, uh, oh, real quick. So Bob asked, "How did the TPP fail specifically?" That's because uh, Trump n- kneecapped that one, which I'm I'm actually fifty fifty on because of the way the geopolitical strat like geopolitical stances in the world now that maybe we should not necessarily offshore there, but I mean it failed. Like it failed. Like like it, it's not necessarily a failure, but uh. Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent reading all this kind of You're losing your train of thought here, Corey. I'm losing my train of thought. I'll Stop get back to you in a read. second. Stop trying to read and speak at the same time. <laughs> Hang on for a second, Bob. I'll get to you. Um, 
what I'm saying is like when our government and everyone is like, oh yeah, global economy, you know, this is gonna NAFTA is gonna make a lot of people a lot of money, you know, like all this globalization, but yet when it when that's good for like the the CEOs and the business owners, that's great, good, awesome. But when the workers are like, hey, we want more money, they go, oh well, this globalization shit's really gonna fuck you over. You gotta mm-hmm. keep those wages down so you're competitive. Well, yeah, it's just funny how that works. Well, that has a lot to do with tariffs, right? Because too, because so and, and like protectionist policy, right? Because we, we were talking about um, I yeah, can't Jones remember. Act. We no, no. Even just a few minutes ago, we baby food. We couldn't decide whether or not it was it was it was Toyota or Honda. Well, uh, part of like one of the big tariffs that came through, I believe, I can't remember. I think it, I don't know if it was part of the Jones Act, but it was part of like one of the major tariff acts of I believe the 1950s, where one of the tariffs was on was on like light trucks. So yeah, what because it, uh, Toyota what that, like, had a truck. Like, that. Have you noticed how foreign manufacturers outside of Toyota, because they have American assembly plants, we don't have foreign pickup trucks like Volkswagen makes a, like, makes a pickup truck. We can't, they can't sell it. Um, you'll see Toyotas. The Toyotas are That's what I said. Like, to, Toyota's oh. the only one. Toyota's the only foreign manufacturer. There's a really weird looking Honda. But what is that? It's because it's not really a truck. The Ridgeline, that's not a fucking truck. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. What does it do? It, it, dri- it drives up the cost of pickup trucks because it it drive it because it drives down competition. Like that's the problem with tariffs. Uh, but either way, that's kind of okay. So he asked how the TPP failed specifically. So the reason why I said the TPP failed, and not when I say failed, I mean like it didn't come to fruition because it was never put into place because Obama proposed it, and then when Trump came in, he nixed it right away. So that's what I mean by it when it was it, it failed. So I guess it didn't um, technically fail. Bob said last year, <laughs> 2022, uh, broke the record in American exports for the fifth year in a row, selling $2.34 trillion in goods and services abroad, which is also true right now, reshoring, which is the opposite of offshoring, manufacturing plants, and everything are being built here at an exponential rate because of the whole, like all of the different logistical issues we had with our uh, supply chains during COVID and stuff like that. So everything is starting to come back and that's good. And what one of the reasons why that is also happening is because we're running out of places to exploit the labor technically. Mm. China now, their middle class is getting bigger and they're wanting more money. So now we have to pay these people more money and transport everything back when we could go somewhere like Mexico and things like that. And even then in Mexico, it costs a little bit more than China, but that's starting to even out. And these things like, just in time inventory, which is where they what means is like they try to make it where they have just enough for now because the supply chains when they're running great, it's a good system to have for a company because holding on to inventory is expensive, but it's fragile as evidenced by the supply chain issues. All it takes is one fucking freighter named Evergreen to block the Suez. Yeah, the whole, you talk about the whole next day delivery economy that we have. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, got, it's 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 got its ups and downs, but like, and so that's that's what I mean by how that's a failure. Um, but what where my qualm was is how come every time you hear politicians and stuff talk about how globalism is okay, but when it comes to the worker, they can't get more money because the globalism comes, is going to hurt them. When it them. comes to the worker, it's dangerous. Globalization is dangerous when when the worker when the worker is demanding. when the worker tries to combat it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like 
I, I'm I'm a capitalist. I think Corey, I think you're mostly a capitalist. It's weird because we're we're capitalists with like leftist tendencies, which is really strange. Which probably well. free form capitalism. It's probably what makes us outcasts <laughs> mixed with yeah free form complete uh, laissez faire capitalism mixed with collective bargaining rights being protected by the government in the same way that property rights are protected. Well, I think, I think it would be the best system that we could ever have. I think that really is what speaks to the question at hand here, which is the UAW strike, which I, it's not infant. It's not, uh, it's not certain, um, but it's looking more and more like it's going to happen. Although um, the UAW, the president, what's his name? Sean fine um, is finally kind of starting to maybe make some compromises, which you have to do in collective bargaining, which is, yeah, which is, this was, what is it? It's <laughs> fucking Trump art of the deal. They put everything on the table that they absolutely wanted, but you know that about half of that is probably what they'll accept. Are you, it, well, exactly. Are, are, so the question is, are they it's asking, called a negotiation? It's not a demand. Asking, are they are they asking too much? And we shit on you know, uh, um, establishment Democrats because they're actually right wingers uh, with regards to the workers. Um, are they asking too much or or I, I I put the question in here or are we redefining American work? Is this a generational divide? And the reason I put that in there uh, is because so if you take a look at the two big things that the UAW workers are looking for, they're looking for a 46 percent wage increase. Now you see that number and you go, wow, that's a big fucking number, even if you're okay. somebody who supports workers. But, but hang if, you're on. Making, if you're making 20 bucks, you're making 28 now. But hang on. I mean, just, yeah, by, by percentage, that, that, that's a big number. And the other thing that they're asking for is a four-day work week with full-time pay. So take the wage increase for just a second. 46% seems like a huge number, regardless of, of which side you're on. Maybe it's, it's huge because it should be, because you support it, or it's huge because it's not good and you don't support it. By the way, it's a big number. We know that that's not going to be what the end number is. Okay, I think... Uh, I, I think uh, one of the three major companies, I can't remember which one, um, has not offered a counteroffer yet. I want to say it's Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler. Uh, but the other two have, have offered... Yeah, Fiat Chrysler, formerly Daimler Chrysler, yeah, formerly yeah. Chrysler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ford and GM, I believe, have offered like 9%, something in that range. Seems like a big difference from 46%. So it seems like this is probably going to end up somewhere in like the 25 to 30% wage increase range. I think I don't think that's going to be the hard thing for uh, them to, to come together on as far as like what's going to be the pay raise. Like, I'm oh, not really no, pay us to where one guy where the, the dad can work and the mom can stay home and we can supply a, support a family, have a house. Have a cottage. Wait a minute. Why can't the mom cars? work and the dad stay home, Corey? Either or, whatever. Don't <laughs> don't fucking do that. <laughs> but the, it's. The, I wanted to talk about the four day work week because I think this is what, what I what I what I mean when I talk about like redefining American work. Because you and I are both millennials, Corey. We're middle middle aged millennials. We're kind of in the middle. We're not the youngest. We're not the oldest millennials. Um, but. I think a lot of people in our generation saw like our dads and our grandpas working 60 these, hours a week, these incredibly difficult jobs. They saw their, their benefits stripped. They saw their pensions stripped. And, and, and what you have is you have these same guys and these same generations look at us and go, wow, your generation is so lazy. 
Your generation <laughs> doesn't want to work. And it's like, no dad, no grandpa. Thanks, dad who didn't we show saw, up at three of my birthdays. We saw the fact that you fucking worked 72 goddamn hours a week, never right. had time to spend with me, your kid, or grandpa with with, with dad. And, and, and for what? Like, what did you get out of that? Well, I got an honest day's work out of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and you thanks, died Dad. at you, 70 years old. Yeah. You worked 60 hours in the production output that your generation doesn't even touch the production output my generation does. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at that and I go, like, that's a generational divide because I think I, I think a four-day work week is so reasonable. Like, there, there, are, there are plenty of- Well, European there's a lot of studies. And Bell, if you could find one, that'd be great. There's a lot of studies that show the four-day work week is more productive. They did a lot of it in the UK and places like that. There was a, a bunch of European of big, countries. Yeah. A lot of big businesses that did the four-day work week studies. And, like, studies show that, like, eight hours pretty much on a day for one day, eight or nine is, like, the optimal where you get the most production out of someone. When it gets to, like, 10 or 11, you're just, you're just losing time. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, aren't most auto worker jobs hourly wages? I don't think most of them are salary. I could be wrong. Like I think on the on I that. think guys on the floor are hourly. So You're usually white collar is salary. Maybe have, some, maybe the supervisors and management staff. You just have to go ahead, Bill. What no, just, what exactly do you want? Study Majority. studies that show the, that a four day work week is more productive than a five day. There's a ton of them. <laughs> well there we go that's all we needed to know. i guess let's find the one that's the most credible and they did a poll cnbc did a poll a majority 81 percent of workers said they'd be more productive if they were given the chance to work a four-day work oh week. fuck i'd say the same thing well, yeah <laughs> but who do you think that 19 percent was boomers <laughs> or, or or guys who hate their wives and their kids and their life please don't send me back home yeah, I mean, like you look at you look at these older generations that spent their entire lives of these men, and like I don't, I don't hate on them for it. Like, like I appreciate everything my dad did and my grandpa before. Well, here's the like, thing: I don't hate them for it, like, right? Because they, they created a good fucking yeah, life for everyone. To give me, but the now life. working those hours doesn't equate to that. It doesn't. So why anymore. fucking do it? And you also have to look back at the give and take. Like, how many of these, how many of these boomer dads and and you know boomer granddads at this point, uh like miss time with their families. How many of them hate their wives? How many of them are, are divorced because they spent their entire life working it away. It's like, why, like, why would you, why would you want that for the next generation? If it doesn't have, to, if it doesn't have to be that way. And, and the other thing I look at is like the auto manufacturers. If, if the, if you're, if you were talking about hourly workers, you just have to hire more people. You have to hire more people and pay them a good wage, oh, and then nuts. everybody can work a four day week. You still got to, you're still, you're paying the wage regardless, Corey. Like you're paying these people. No I know matter that's what, what I'm saying. Oh, you mean I have to hire more people? You have yeah, to get so, more jobs, more good paying jobs. Unlike the bullshit like, we're seeing now that's like, oh, we're at 3.5% unemployment so low. This economy is so good. There's so many goddamn jobs. We got people working two or three of them to make ends meet. No, but if you're talking about somebody who's making 30 some odd dollars an hour working, even if they're only working for three days a week, even if they're only working the part time weekend shift, you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem like that should be that big of a concession for right. auto manufacturers. Do split shifts. Keep the shop open six days a week still, but then do like it's staggered with four start on like half of them start on Monday and work that four and then the other half start on Tuesday. 
Yeah, pretty simple stuff. It doesn't seem like like that should be a no brainer. And then you might have more productive workers that are less tired because they're not working. And if you're not, and if they're not productive, guess what? There's going to be a big ass line out the door of people who are willing to be more productive. This ain't no police union and this ain't no teachers union. They don't protect the bad workers. Okay, boomer. (laughs) I love the idea of a four day work week. And I think that's a generational divide. I think you're right. I wish I had a four day work week. I mean, job I work, I kind of do. Don't tell my boss. Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't spill all the beans. No, no, no. I just control a lot of my own schedule. Anyway, that's all I had. All right. Should we get to the listener topic? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, a new thing that we're going to, I'm going to try to do every week for the show is uh, post on our different social media outlets. Um, just like, hey, what do you want to hear us talk about? Because I feel like it'll get you, the listener, more engaged and get you more excited about the show and be more willing to share it with your friends and stuff like that. Um, so I posted. Like, what do the people want to hear us talk about? And someone said more third-party candidates. And then a lot of people said Cornell West. So I'll give some names. Uh, I can't pronounce this young lady's name. Uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing this. Durja Adrienne wanted to hear about Cornell West. Uh, Pamela Ricard wanted to hear about uh, Cornell West and the Green Party. Um, I think there was one other in here. Uh, yes, uh, Annie Nesson. Uh, wanted to hear us talk about Cornell West and Cornell West is somebody that we've, we've talked about talking about on this show multiple times and we just kind of <sighs> never gotten to it. So what better time than now? Right. So Cornell West is an American philosopher, a political activist, social critic and public intellectual who is running for president in 2024 as a third party candidate. He is a socialist who advocates for racial justice, economic equality, environmental protection and peace. Thanks JP- GPT. <laughs> for summing that up so well um so some of his policies is for education he supports free public education from pre-k to college cancellation of student debt and increased funding for historically black colleges and universities and other minority serving institutions now i'm all for that pre-k to college i think the pre to pre to 12 puts in the basics in you of like how to you know basically read write and kind of have some sort of critical thinking depending on what type of school you go to. And then I think that everyone would be able to get more of a more of a better livelihood out of it if they can go to school for two years on a chosen course in a specialized industry or a specialized degree or whatever they would like to be able to use that to get further along in life, not be a burden on the American taxpayer, create a decent living and a decent wage. And not just survive, but thrive. So you're a free college advocate, are you, Corey? Two years. Yeah. Associates. Absolutely. I, so we okay, already paid so for 12. What's two more years? I'll agree with you. I'll because agree with you Because the government's paying for it anyways. They just saddle everyone with debt that they can't yeah, pay bankruptcy so, on. Thanks, Biden. So I was going to push back a little bit on the free college thing, but I'll, I'll agree with you from the perspective of like basically an associate's degree is kind of in the marketplace basically what a high school diploma was, you know, in the seventies mm-hmm. or in the eighties. Exactly. So I, I get, I get the logic behind it. Um, I think mostly here comes, here comes my libertarian is coming out. Um, I'm more for privatized college. So I guess like if we're giving well, opinions, it's not like a voucher, 
do a voucher system. You can choose, like there's a couple options. Someone can start a private school and if they can make money on the money that they would give to someone for their funding for a public college. Yeah, but then now you're just injecting neoliberalism into places. No, it would literally just be a check you get from the government. That you, or you would basically do your FAFSA and then that money and then you'd, you'd fill out what school you're going to, whether it's private or public. And then that money would just get funneled to there. Yeah, but if it's just private... Now we have more competition and college is cheaper. Yes, absolutely. So that's a good thing. We, we have to worry Dan, about FAFSAs. You're, you're only <laughs> making my argument stronger, Dan. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> so. I think we're arguing different <laughs> things here. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm saying Bill. that like I said, my, my true solution for all that, well, you got to be, you got to let these kids file for bankruptcy now. And then you got to do what you said. You got to privatize colleges. You got to let these colleges compete. It's going to drive these prices of these higher colleges down. And And don't let them have unions that protect bad teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to make a different joke. And I started laughing before you finished (laughs) because that wasn't a joke at all. (laughs) (laughs) What was the joke? What what jokes did you think I was making? I I, I don't know, but I thought you were going to make a bad joke. It was a a premature laughulation. Yeah. So, um, if we're giving opinions on Cornell West, like the political pluralist in me, like loves the fact that he's on the ticket. I think he's a brilliant guy. I have various disagreements with him because I'm not a socialist. Uh, but what I do respect about Cornell West more than anything else is the fact that if you're going to be a leftist, be an actual leftist. And he is an actual leftist. Yeah. Call out Bernie Sanders for cucking out to the establishment. Call out the squad for, you know, fighting to get elected and then basically cucking out to the establishment. That's what I respect about. Eat the rich dress at the Met Gala. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, the, the, the DNC fucked me over. Well, that's okay. We just, as long as we could still fight for Medicare for all, I'm just going to sit here and let my good friend Joe Biden run this country. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. I'll take, I'll take ten prescriptions. <laughs> being negotiated. He's one. Of, so Cornell West is one of those guys that I have, I have certain disagreements with. I have certain agreements with. I think he's a brilliant thinker. Um, and when, when we when we discuss political pluralism like we do on this show, I want guys like him on the ballot. I like. I want to hear a guy like Cornell West get on a fucking debate stage. Like oh that's what God, I want. That would hear. be. I would love that. That's what I want to see. Um, he supports Medicare for all. Medicare for all. You got to say it like Bernie Sanders. Medicare for all. Medi- a no, single, no, no. With a a single Med- payer Med- system that Medicare. would provide universal health care coverage to all Americans, regardless <laughs> of income, employment, or immigration status. I just sound like Larry David. Yeah. I don't do <laughs> I'm not. You're the impressions guy. I'm not good at impressions. I'm only good at a few. And then he uh, um, he supports the Green New Deal and the comprehensive plan to create millions of jobs in clean energy infrastructure and public services while transitioning to a 100% renewable energy economy by 2030. Nope. Can't get behind that, bro. Can't, eh, but you know it's not going to happen anyways. I know, so. It's one of those things where it's like I, people think I'm an asshole, like you don't care about the environment. It's like, no, I like the idea on paper. <laughs> like it's, it would be great if that was... Right feasible but it's just not but we're not doing it feasible way his foreign policy he advocates for an end to the foreign military aid the closure of u.s military bases around the world 
and the disbandment of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. See, dig, uh, dig a few of those things. I think he's got the right. He's got the right idea on Ukraine, right? Because he's an actual leftist. He doesn't mm -hmm. want war like the establishment, quote unquote, left does. He still kind of dances around the the question, though. He does asked. a little bit. He does. You're right. You're right. He does a little bit. But he is also calling for investments and in services to support veterans and a global ban on nuclear weapons, which will never happen. Well, I mean, but I like the idea. Yeah, but yeah. again, you can appreciate because even what because here's the thing. Even when they were trying to do that, like in what, like the early 2000s and 90s and stuff like that, when other countries were giving theirs up and then Libya gave theirs up and then we killed the leader. <laughs> that kind of really put a bullet in the idea of any other country doing it. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why North Korea has nuclear weapons is because they don't want to be fucked with like Iran or Libya or uh or Nicaragua or Cuba or Well, as long as they Iraq have the Chinese or... propping them up, they're going to be safe. Well, now they're getting closer with Russia too. Good job. Good job uh current administration for just <laughs> creating an access of three shitty powers. Hashtag current administration. But yeah, I mean, so that that's basically just the cliff notes that I have of him. But Cornell West is running for the Green Party. He was initially going to run for the People's Party, but they're not on a ballot in all 50 states, so he jumped ship. They're on a ballot in like three states. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, a was smart just... move to hop to the Green Party. Yeah, it was. And if he was given the time of day, he would be a viable candidate. But I mean, either way, it's either him or the Libertarian candidate who's probably going to get my vote because I am not voting for brain no, Biden or terrible and we, Trump. And we don't, and we <laughs> don't, like, even, know, like we don't even know who that is yet. The Libertarian Party? Yeah. Do they have a candidate yet? They don't. I don't believe hey, that. No, will you look candidate. up to see if the Libertarian Party has a has a uh, candidate for the I, presidency? Don't believe the LP has because it's run by the Mises caucus at this point and I don't I think they're I think they're waiting. Um, be Dave Smith. I don't think he wants the job. I don't think he wants the job. Um, Can you imagine if we saw a Camille Foster Spike Cohen ticket? They'd get my vote in 2 seconds. Yeah. I would vote for I would vote so hard, Dan. I'd vote for Dave Smith and I have vehement disagreements with him. I'd vote so hard. I would I'd I would vote so hard for I'm gonna vote know, even harder. So <laughs> I will say they don't have a uh, candidate right now, but the way that it's looking, the way that, like, because I've been paying attention, I think uh, Lars Maps said is going to end up getting the nomination. And he's pretty tight with Spike. So don't be surprised if you see a Lars Maps said Spike Cohen ticket. Well, maybe the I'll other way around. Could be a Spike no. Cohen Lars Maps ticket. No, it won't be. It's Spike Cohen's not running. Is he it, ran as VP under who? Who did he run under VP as? It was before, Joe Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for more choices. The problem is that the Republicans and the Democrats have made it difficult for ballot access, and then these small parties they just argue with each other. The Libertarian Party never gets their shit together. Um, yeah, they don't argue with each other. They argue with themselves. They argue with themselves, and then you know the the Green Party that. Here's the issue I've always has had historically with the Green Party, and I don't think it's going to be any different under Cornell West. Unfortunately, as brilliant as I think he is, um, they eventually just cuck out to the to to whatever the whatever the Democrats are doing. Um, that's that's the that's the issue that I've always had with the Green Party. They get um, all the the super leftists excited 
Yeah, and then it just it's not it it just never it never comes to fruition. Trump. It's all about beating Trump. Yeah. So you know, our opinion on Cornell West is positive. I got I got some I got some disagreements with him as I do with here's the thing I got disagreements with almost anybody that's going to run for president because I'm because part of what we do here is we think for ourselves doesn't mean we dislike them doesn't mean we like some what doesn't mean we don't like other ideas that they have uh Cornell West is no different I have disagreements yeah with him, I could sit in a room with like Cornell West 100%. I could drink a beer with Cornell West oh he passes could, the, the Obama beer test does he not I could smoke a spliff with Cornell West and sit there and chill and just talk <laughs> philosophy <laughs> and policy and just go back and forth and have a blast with them. 100%. I agree. I couldn't do that with Biden or Trump. No, well, Trump, maybe. You know what's funny? I always get the idea that, like, Trump. No, might because be a I would have to say things in that weird tiptoey way around him. I'd have oh, to stroke you... his ego just to get to him to even listen to me. That's the thing. All right. Fair enough. All right. You know, you so, know what I mean? If, like, but, if you, but if you're going to sit down and have a beer with one, who passes the beer test better? Is it Trump or Biden? Just for shits and gigs. I'd rather, I'd rather have a beer with Trump than Biden. I agree. <laughs> You're taking Biden to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, he'd get drunk. He'd get drunk after one sip of beer. Dude, this guy walks into an airplane and he's done. <laughs> Imagine the guy walking out of you your know house. What I, you know what I you know what I had a dream about the oh. other day? I, I had the I had the dumbest dream. I had a dream. It was like, have you ever had those kinds of dreams where you're like a fly on the wall? Like you're not actually a part of the dream, but you're like watching yeah. something. I had a dream where Trump and Biden did mushrooms together. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, I don't remember the dream well enough to tell you exactly what happened, but they were both very giggly. <laughs> and Biden freaked out because the walls were breathing. He didn't know where to go. <laughs> that's, that's all I never remember. had dreams about them. I had a dream about Tulsi. Was she nude? No, she was yeah. in one of her suits and we were sitting at my kitchen table and we were talking policy. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nerdy, stupid political dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trump and Biden doing shrooms together is yeah. much more entertaining. Like, there's so that. many people out there probably having dreams about Tulsi that are very like NSFW. And yeah. here I am sitting at the table drinking coffee with her just talking policy. <laughs> All right, Corey, tell the people where they can find us. I will. Once you have it up. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com, and we can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at LibservativePod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today! But yeah, for real, if you like the show, you like what we're doing, Make sure to follow us. Give us a rating on your uh, preferred podcast platform because what that does is it helps boost the algorithm so more people can find the show. And I don't expect you to share it all over the Facebook to your friends and stuff like that to show them how much of a political junk you are. But tell a friend. If you like I the conversations we we're having, you're probably fun. having a conversation like this with your friends and share this podcast with them. I think we make culture and politics fun. Is that our new slogan? No, that's a stupid slogan. That's like a Nickelodeon slogan. We make slime fun. <laughs> anyway, for Bell the Body Stature, he is always is Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. 
And until next time, we've been Libservative, and we are out of here. We the people cannot turn back.